Hey, 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 what's going on there, podcast community? Matthew Johnson here, and I am back at it again with another episode of Dementia in Black and White. And so this week, of course, we're going to talk about taking care of yourself as a caregiver. I often mention how important that is. This week's episode, we're going to talk about eight tips to balance caregiving responsibilities and work. Let's get it. All right, let's do this today, shall we? Today, I'm, you know, again, just going to the Google University and asking Google to share with me what things we can do to help balance that load. You know, generally speaking, work-life balance is challenging, just whatever your life is and then your work. But when you're talking about caregiving, man, that adds a whole whole nother level to it because whatever your life was, you're still balancing all those things and your work life. And then you add in this enormous task of caregiving for a loved one. Well, things are going to get out of balance, period, point blank. So whatever you can do to help keep and maintain some semblance of balance is going to be very important. So I'm going to go through these eight tips and, of course, talk about my own experience with this. Some of the things, fortunately, I am doing some of the things I am not doing. But hopefully there'll be some tips and tricks for you to pick up that you can employ, include to help balance your work life and your caregiving responsibilities. So here they are. There are eight tips The first one, consider taking paid leave. That is something that I am currently doing. Most uh, employers, certainly large employers, whether they're public or private companies, will have some type of program to use the Family Medical Leave Act, as that is a law that is in the United States. So for those of you who are listening in the United States, this will specifically apply to you though. I imagine, um, Canada and Australia and some of the other places where I know there are, uh, downloads of the podcast that they too have a similar type of program. In fact, I don't know, but I would suspect that there might even be, uh, better benefits in some of the other places. Uh, but just for the listeners today, we're just speaking about what's going on in the United States as that's where I am. So consider taking paid leave. You've uh, probably, if you're in a situation like me, you've been working for 20 plus years. And for me, I'm that type of guy that you know, I was a hard worker, uh, putting in my time. You're getting my best years. If I got sick, I'm trying to work through it. You know, I didn't take a lot of sick leave. And so for me, you know, we uh, where I work get four hours of sick leave per pay. So every two weeks you get four hours of sick leave. And I had accumulated over 1300 hours of sick leave. And that's just, you know, 
for not to say I never took any sick leave because, of course, doctor's appointments, go to the dentist, I, I used some sick leave. But I didn't have any, you know, big time illness that would have had me hospitalized or that would have taken me out of the game for an extended period of time. And I'm not one to abuse sick leave. You know, I've been a supervisor for a while. So, of course, not to say you as a supervisor can't abuse sick leave, but, you know, you're responsible for monitoring other people and their leave. So you have to set an example, blah, blah, blah. But in either case, I just had a lot of sick leave. And with the uh, government where I work, the sick leave, you know, when you retire, you don't just get a check for that. They do calculate it now into your retirement year so that you can get a bump. But even before then, it was, you didn't get anything. The, the sick leave just died on the vine. So if you're like me and you have done a great job of working hard and accumulating this leave and, you know, you hadn't needed to use it at this point, perhaps this might be a time to consider taking some of that leave to help balance your caregiving responsibilities and your work life. So that's number one, consider taking paid leave. The second tip here, use your workplace skills at home. It says use your organization skills in both the workplace and at home. Create a calendar for your workplace responsibilities and deadlines, but also have a family calendar to keep track of appointments. I have to say this is something that I do not do, but it is something that I can see being of great benefit because my mother has certain appointments of things that she has to do. And on more than one occasion, those things have popped up on me and I've forgotten them. I was like, oh, snap, forgot we were supposed to do this. And then I'm still working. I still have things to do myself. So that has happened to me as well. It's just a little overwhelming dates and times get slipped. And so I've just started recently to do a better job of kind of keeping track of my own personal calendar. But what this is suggesting is that there also be a calendar for the family or the uh, person you're caring for. And fortunately with, you know, Microsoft Outlook and the calendar on your uh, phones, they have color coding where that is actually not that difficult to do. So you can take advantage of that. And even if you're into still the paper calendars, you can have, you know, tabs or just different color ink in those where you write a, an appointment for your loved one in a different color from an appointment for you so that you can keep track of those things. Makes a lot of sense, and I need to do better at number two. Use workplace skills at home, like organization skills and keeping a calendar. Number three says make an emergency plan. Talk with your coworkers and employer about what you plan to do if you need to leave work for an emergency. So this helps in terms of letting your employer know that you are still trying to be a dependable employee, that you still do care about whatever the mission is of your organization. So don't, you know, even if you're thinking about that first bullet, taking some paid leave, particularly if it's going to be an extended absence, try and give your employer a heads up and let them know that you want to do this and then see about training someone on the team. If that's a possibility, leaving some guide you know, if your job is a particular job, you're an IT specialist and you do something that not really 
anyone else does or no one does as well as you. Maybe before you take your extended leave, put together some type of standard operating procedure to help a person who would be coming in and stepping in, even if it's not you know, a permanent replacement for you. Hopefully they don't permanently replace you while you're on leave, but just somebody who's going to take it on as an additional duty so that they don't get overwhelmed and so that you don't create you know, too much you know, I guess, tension back at the workplace, particularly if it is your plan to go back to that workplace. And it really does uh, help your employer make the right decision in supporting you because they know that you do have some concern about what is going on there in the workplace. The number four, use your network of support. And then in bold under that, it says, ask for help with caregiving tasks from reliable friends and family. So pretty much this is, you know, probably a more difficult thing to do. I don't know what happens with caregivers, how we seem to take pride in doing these responsibilities and somehow feel like if we ask for help, it is a sign of weakness as if we were all superhuman beings and this is a normal thing to do. And I'm that way as well. I just feel like, uh, especially if I feel like asking someone for help is going to burden them in any way, even if it's somebody that, you know, maybe should be helping or, you know, I, they uh, have said, I'd like to help you or whatever. Even if that's the case, it's just coming to, asking for the help. And I don't know. I don't know if that's about caregiving, if that's about culture. Yeah, not sure. But this is a difficult thing to do. And I am not one who does it. So I'm giving these uh, tips and advice, but they're not necessarily because I use them all. But I certainly see how that is a valuable step and that you should do that. Step number five, talk about your home responsibilities. It says, talk to people around you about your responsibilities at home, especially your employer. So again, this is just sort of making the uh, folks around you aware and here talking about the employer particularly so that the employer is not surprised. So, you know, having kind of those casual conversations. And in my case, when I told my supervisor about what was going on, he shared with me that he is also, you know, a part time, you know, caregiver. His mother, uh, his brother is the primary caregiver. His mother lives out of town, but that he has an arrangement to go back, you know, uh, one weekend a month. And then he's taking care of those responsibilities when he's there. And of course, he's probably helping also in between that. But he just essentially was able to empathize with me because he's going through the same thing. And if you think, you know, kind of keeping that from your supervisor or uh, minimizing the impact of your caregiving responsibilities um, to make you look less of a good employee, it's a good strategy. uh, I would disagree there and I would encourage you that it's okay to talk about that with your employer and with others in general, just because you will not know where your next good tip is coming from, where some good information is coming from, where your next assist might come from. And just by mentioning that 
not only could it make it easier for, you know, some requests that you might have, like taking leave at work coming down the line, but it also might just be beneficial to take a weight off your shoulder to let you know that you're not going through this alone and that other people are also perhaps dealing with a similar situation. Number six, support your body with food and movement. Eef. Cannot stress that enough. It says take 20 to 30 minutes to do t- physical activity every day. Yeah, uh, not this guy. I'm not, not doing that yet. Not 30 minutes every day. Maybe 20 minutes, three days a week has been uh, the goal that I've reached, but not doing that, you know, course that's setting that aside then taking a walk or doing something like that but i may have 30 minutes of physical activity just doing things around the house but not consistent not getting the heart rate up and so that's very important and then the food part you are what you eat so if you're eating preservatives and high sodium content food and crap you're crap don't want to be crap. You want to be better than crap. So, of course, try to eat better. And that's going to be being prepared by having some foods around that are healthier in terms of snacks and quick, quick meals, because you will definitely have days where things are going to have to be throwing something together at the last minute, getting some quick thing together. And to the maximum extent practical that those things that are around you or healthy alternatives, I try to keep, you know, fresh fruits or some bananas, some apples, some oranges, so that when I know mom wants a snack, it's not a bag of chips, it's not a muffin, it's, you know, some fresh fruit or something like that. Fruit smoothies are always in the house. The frozen little things, they're in individual packets, got them at Costco. I forget what they cost. They're relatively inexpensive, may work out to about $3 a smoothie or $2 a smoothie, something like that. But they're frozen, individually packaged. Just drop that in the uh, Ninja with some coconut water, mix it up, and it's, you know, probably two or three servings of fruits and vegetables has kale, strawberries, blueberries, uh, spinach, and just, you know, some good stuff in it. It tastes good. No need to add any sweeteners or honey or anything. It's good. She likes it. I like it. So having things like that around so that if there is some type of rush going on, I need to do something and then make another move that's quick. And it's always here, always have at least two or three bags stocked in the freezer of that type of stuff. So number six is, again, support your body with food and movement. Number seven of eight steps. Know your feelings are normal. Know that your feelings are normal. It says caregivers are often crushed with a wide range of emotions. And we're talking about worry, anxiety, guilt, isolation, frustration, anger. All of these things can happen on any given day or all in the same day. And, and this is so real. I, I've felt this myself. And what I probably still struggle with is that those feelings are normal, that that is, you know, it's okay for you to feel that way because you are dealing with a lot of stuff and you're human and human beings have emotions. And so recognizing that those feelings are 
don't make you a bad person. Those feelings uh, aren't something that should be minimized or that you should feel like you're weak because, you know, you might see others who have gone through caregiving or who are going through caregiving and they appear to be handling it well or they appear to be stronger than you. Whatever. Just like the social media. It's all fake. People are, of course, putting on their best face. When I'm out in public, I'm smiling, might be joking and laughing, blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't mean that I'm not struggling. That doesn't mean that there aren't hard days. That doesn't mean that I'm not laying in the bed, staring at the ceiling somewhere. And it's like uh, another day of this. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That happens. And you have to know that that's normal. And so then that's a great segue into the last bullet here, which is get emotional support. Connect with others who can understand the feelings that you are experiencing. Connect with online caregivers from, you know, different support groups. Going back to the employer. Again, most larger employers will have a contract with an employee assistance program through that employee assistance program. They will likely have some type of counseling, maybe even through your health insurance. You might be eligible for some type of therapy. Seek out these types of things to get that emotional support. The support groups, which I am a big fan of, as you may know, you're at least with other people. Sometimes they can be overwhelming because sometimes people go there to, of course, you know, share those emotions and share that and it could sometimes feel like you're, you know, sitting in more of other people's angst and frustration and all of that. So temper that if that is what is happening for you in a support group and not all support groups are that way. So find one that maybe has a balance, a good balance where I'm in a couple and one, we kind of share what we're going through. And sometimes that one can get heavy. And then in another, it's more of uh, folks sharing information and tips and tricks. And it's a little higher and, you know, higher energy level than the other. So wh whatever it is, though, get the emotional support wherever you can get it from. Recognize that it is important first to realize those emotions are normal. But then, two, it's also important to get the emotional support that you need. We often will pay attention to our physical. Hey, I'm getting my physical exam every year and I'm paying attention to my blood pressure and what I eat and ignore the mental. But getting a checkup from the neck up is as important as getting your physical, keeping your physical together. And I would argue it is perhaps even more important because your brain is the engine, your mind is the engine that, you know, sort of drives everything else. So if that is not together, if you are not taking care of your mental, it could have negative physical impacts ultimately, because then you're not going to take care of your physical. So that's it, folks, that those are the eight tips of really trying to balance your work and your caregiver responsibilities. Let's just go through them quickly again. They are one, consider taking paid leave. Two, use your workplace skills at home. Three, make an emergency plan. 
four, use your network of support. Ask help for caregiving tasks. Number five, take or talk about your responsibilities at home. Number six, support your body with food and movement. Number seven, know that your feelings are normal. And finally, number eight, get emotional support for those feelings that you might be having. Well, that's it, folks, for this week's episode of Dementia in Black and White. Thank you very much for listening. I appreciate that. But try and do better than me at these steps. I probably got about, you know, 60%, doing about 60% of the things there. I could do better. Hopefully, you can do even better than me. Try to get to seven of eight of the things that are suggested in this article. Until next time, continue to take care of your loved one. Absolutely. I know they appreciate it, even if they don't tell you every day. But also, take care of yourself. Until next week, I'm out.